Welcome to the latest episode of the Kids Media Club podcast. I'm Andy Williams, creative producer and director, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Joe. Hello, everyone. Welcome along. Uh, I'm Joe Redfern, Global Brand Director, and joining us today, I'm delighted to say we have Nina Jane Patel, who is VP of Metaverse Research at Kabuni. So welcome along to the Kids Media Club podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you both. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Nina Jean Patel. I'm the co-founder of Kabuni, along with Nimesh Patel, and I'm the, um, the head of or the VP of Metaverse Research at Kabuni. Additionally, uh, my background is as a, a psychotherapist, particularly a movement psychotherapist, uh, working with people to explore their sense of self and mental health around and wellness around the self, uh, but incorporating not only the mind but the body as well. Um, I'm also currently a doctoral researcher and, and scholar um, at the University of Reading with um, in primarily investigating the psychological and physiological impact of virtual environments, uh, which we could call the, the metaverse, which we currently are calling the metaverse. So um, that research is particularly focused on children and how we can begin to understand the effect, both psychologically and physiologically, of spending time in digital virtual environments and what it means uh, to interact as human beings in those spaces. Um, prior to, to uh, starting Kabuni about um, five years ago, uh, and, and I continue to work at the intersection of arts, culture, uh, mental health and wellness and technology, and look at where those um, continuously uh, collide or intersect in our in our human societies. And within that context, um, I consider myself to be an advocate for um, innovation, creativity, education and mental health, which really is really prioritizing and, and predominantly looking at how children are going to be looking at technology in correlation to their mental health and also around creativity, education and self-expression in those spaces. So really looking at who we are as humans and how those uh, elements are of our lives interact. That, um, that, that's, that's incredible. I, I wanted to kind of, I wonder whether to just to set the scene for, for listeners that might be less familiar with the concept of the metaverse, okay. whether you could kind of just give us a sort of a summary of what the metaverse means to you just to kind of give us a kind of a starting point for our listeners yeah it's a it's a, a really popular con uh, term at the moment and it does mean different things to different people and and it is good to clarify kind of the terminology as we approach this absolutely um in my consideration of the metaverse it really is uh entering into a digital space where you are literally physically and um, engaging with the pixels. So you're dancing with the pixels around you, whether that means, uh, and you're represented as an avatar in that space. So this of, of web 3.0, uh, all the kind of the next evolution of the internet, but the metaverse particularly is the evolution of what we would call virtual reality um, and, and the components of augmented reality as well. And then, um, different environments or metaverses that allow us to interact together in real time in a digital environment. Um, so just to expand on that, sorry to jump in, but I think many listeners will immediately equate 
a child's experience with the online world as being quite passive, where they sit largely still. I certainly know that my two children largely sit still when they're playing on their Xbox. Now, obviously, there is you're looking into how these digital environments affect the physiology, but also the movement. And it strikes me that certainly with VR, there's more potential to be more active. So can you just go into kind of how these the metaverse and, and this immersion actually can help or what effects it has on, on the whole body for, for children? Yeah, so the, the three kind of major components of, of the metaverse virtual reality um, is the concept of immersion. So you're fully immersed, fully present, and fully embodied as well. And so the context of embodiment in the in this terminologies within virtual reality is your willingness to accept your avatar, your digital representation as your biological body. And it, there are a lot of very interesting kind of um, research and papers out there that show the ability for the brain to have flexibility in the in the acceptance of what it's willing to to call your own body there's a really fascinating um, experiment called the rubber hand experiment which is also a full body experiment which can be done in VR, but actually but it's it shows the neuroplasticity of the brain and its willingness to accept a digital foreign avatar as its own and so the that uh, kind of brains um Agility gives us the opportunity to explore the metaverse in a fully embodied, fully immersed, and fully present way, as though the reality, the virtual reality, is real, which uh, allows us to really open up our imaginations to what's possible. Because suddenly we're in a digital environment where gravity isn't a question, time and space are no longer in the context of which we are you know, bound to in the laws of physics. And we're now in a digital space where we can travel anywhere in the universe at a kind of like this, and the imagination is unlocked. And, and the only thing holding you back is, is, is what your brain can think of. And so the opportunities that arise for us as humans, as, as children, as parents, as all of us is, you know, what does that mean? How does that, how do we, that's like a paradigm shift of a moment where actually anything can happen and I just have to create it in a virtual environment. And that's very exciting. And that has huge potentials for us as, as you know, unlocking what's possible in our brains and, and designing and creating worlds that are beautiful utopia futures. Um, and of course, there's the flip side of that as well. But um, we'll start with the optimistic start of, side of it all, which I am very much a proponent for the metaverse and future human interaction in the metaverse. and, and and considering ways in which, and asking questions about how that can alter our current current limitations and mindsets of how we engage and produce uh, and, and, and live as a society. I, had, I hadn't really thought about it in, in those terms before, in the sense that removing the limitations, I guess, has applications with people who have differentiated abilities, both mentally and physically one assumes that actually it it removes some of the barriers from their what they can do in real life might be removed when they enter into this digital world is that right yeah i mean there there are a lot of kind of questions around removing limitations and barriers of what we experience in physical life and then what how we translate that or how we don't translate that into the digital space um, is really interesting research around what's possible in the metaverse for those um, who have uh, hearing loss or hearing impairments and also visual impairment as well. And what does the metaverse look like when we're exploring 
uh, it, without full vision, because right now we do prioritize a lot of um, having this, the this, the the um, sense of sight full, fully uh, within the metaverse. But what else is possible if you're considering human interaction in a digital space that doesn't, doesn't rely on just sight alone? Um, and there's also senses of smells that we can bring into the future of the technology and really um, biotechnology integration of, of future technology into the you know, where the human body becomes the user interface. We're no longer reliant on devices. You know, this is a bit futuristic in the conversation, but this is the, the um, evolution of, of what's possible beyond the metaverse and how people are seeing it, it integrated into our lives, um, how we communicate, how we interact, and then also biotechnologically wise, how we can advance ourselves as well. Lots of possibilities there. Yeah, that's really interesting. One of the things as we're talking about it, I kind of wonder whether just to have a kind of a general um, look at some of the issues around it. For you, what do you feel are the kind of the the positives in terms of the kind of potential of, of the metaverse and the risks, specifically talking about children and their use of um, and interaction within that space? Yeah, the positives are around, uh, as I've said, kind of limiting our, our or opening up our current limitations of how we interact and how we engage that, that allows us to explore many different kind of um, paradigm shifts within many industries, including arts, mental health, wellness, you know, general industries across, you know, defined decentralization of financial models, all sorts of kind of um, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. So, so that's one bucket. But when the possibilities in terms of if we focus on the metaverse and, and human interaction are around kind of the biofeedback aspects and understanding our, um, our whole bodies more uh, comprehensively with that possibility of supported by wearable technologies and begin to understand how our biofeedback integrates to our psychology and how we can begin to manage that for ourselves and also understand each other better through that. Because it's actually in research, um, the limitations of, of understanding our bio biofeedback in everyday lives is actually quite minimal because whenever we get um, research-based biofeedback, it's in artificial environments. But if we can now kind of look at how people interact in digital environments and in natural natural human uh, interactions that we can begin to understand them better. So that, that has a lot of implications in psycho psychology, psychotherapy, uh, child development, cognitive development, and emotional development as well. If we shift into some of the concerns around that, obviously there are many, uh, first of all being data privacy, trust, uh, safety, and um, prioritizing our mental health in, in context of what does it mean for us as human beings to suddenly be surrounded in, in 360 degree digital environment that is a technology that um, evolved exponentially. But us as a human species, our brains and our bodies haven't evolved for thousands and thousands of years. What does that, what does that actually, well, you know, obviously there are many questions we have to consider as we're as we're moving and shifting into a realm of integrating this into our lives on a daily basis. There's lots of questions to be asked. Hmm. We, I mean, Andy and I are both content creators. So the potential of this 360 degree universe 
for content creators is really exciting. But similarly, we're, we're very aware of our responsibility when creating content for kids. So are there key developmental considerations as kids grow that content creators need to be aware of that might be unique when we're thinking about creating content that's going to be in this live in this immersive world? Yeah, I think one of the key components of, of, a, of interaction or, or what we spend our time doing in the metaverse is, is, um, is less about uh, consumption of content and more about interaction with content. And so to me, it seems pointless to develop a metaverse where we just put a headset on and sit and watch. Yeah, where, mm. and, and because there's no, we don't wanna be putting a, a VR headset on and, and pretend it's a TV. Mm. What we need to do is look at the technology and begin to understand in what ways can we we have a touch point with the technology? Um, and it, there's different ways of approaching this, but this is our my particular approach to this, is how can we use this technology and whatever content that's created within it that is interactive, how can we use it or develop it, design it, um, create it in a way that leaves the person, uh, citizen, the, the, the child, the, the adult, whomever it may be, in a better place. So what positive impact can that interaction with the technology, either software, hardware, content, uh, impact our lives in a positive, beneficial way? Because that's the true power of the metaverse, the technology, the evolution of what technology is providing us, is an opportunity for us to ask the question, how can I use this to actually improve my life in some way? Instead of how can I use this to distract myself from all the stuff I don't want to face in life? And that's going to be a big shift in, a, in what I consider the design of content. It's no longer a distraction. It's now an, a, a full integration into who I am and who uh, I want to be in the metaverse and the real life. And I think one of the other questions that comes up around safety and, and this kind of, you know, we talk a lot about digital um, digital safety and online kind of um, advice on how to best interact with people on online. And now this conversation is shifting into the metaverse is, um, is, is no longer acknowledging this divide between our biological selves and our digital selves, because we're actually the holistic same entity, same being. And the more that we divide the line, I believe the more we'll be allowed to use digital spaces and like we have on the internet for negative human interaction. Because what we've created over the evolution of the internet and, and web 3.0 in the metaverse is the evolution, the next stage of the internet is we've allowed spaces to permit uh, and, and perpetuate negative human interactions, right? So we all kind of just shrug our shoulders when something bad happens or or now that laws and regulations are catching up with it, um, it is criminal behavior. But because we've separated it, I'm my online self and myself, I'm allowed to do bad behavior online because I can be anonymous and I won't be held accountable. But I believe that the future of the metaverse, we won't prioritize anonymity. People will be held accountable and the holistic human interaction will, will be a revolution in how we use our digital spaces and we'll no longer feel that there are places that we can kind of fantasize about negative aspects of who we are as human beings yeah i mean that that's kind of there's loads to unpick on that um yeah. though because i think we're we're imagining a kind of a 
a kind of a world in which all of the countries around the world have a kind of ideal political systems and um and obviously the situation you're kind of describing um means that you have to kind of trust the systems that that kind of that define what is kind of negative behavior yeah. uh, and if you live in a country which might be kind of less respectful of civil rights that anonymity sometimes is a is a protection but that's kind of outside of the the area of of kids specifically so kind of maybe kind of better to focus on that i mean one of the questions that i wanted to kind of follow up on that joe was talking about was about the developmental stages and there's a big debate at the moment in terms of uh, how old children should be to have mobile phones and all of that aspect and i can imagine that the metaverse is quite kind of potentially an overwhelming experience in terms of what it can provide and whether there needs to be uh, any sense of kind of the stage in which children interact within that space. Um, because I'd imagine, you know, in very early years, children are developing their own sense of identity um, and, and their own interactions with the real world. Uh, and whether the metaverse might end up kind of how that kind of works in terms of that development whether it could work in a way that assists it or kind of confuses that uh, development of identity yeah it's a great question and a really important question and the, the honest answer is the research just doesn't exist right. and there is no evidence to show with that implication what we what's shown is children below the ages of 12 are more um, easily adaptable, their brains are more agile in terms of uh, accepting a digital space, a digital environment as a real environment. And that shows concern, that, that certainly so shows that we need to understand this technology and its implications more before we offer it open to the world, especially our children, in consideration of we don't know the impact of it as of yet. Right. And I think it's very important as technology companies and, and our company Kabuni takes the time it needs to and invest, you know, it's, it's a long haul, it's a long game, it's going to take time and investment to understand or begin to at least lay the groundwork for a framework where we can measure and understand a child's interaction with a virtual environment and lay key pieces of data points so that we can start to understand what this what this the long-term effect of this and paint a picture so that we can um, understand this better. Because the, the truth is right now, as much as it's fun, as much as it creates kind of unimaginable experiences as content creators, um, and in education as well, bringing education to life, there's lots of wonderful things. The groundwork has to be done to truly understand the long-term implications of a child integrating this technology into their lives on a daily basis. And mm -hmm. so what we need to do and what we need to learn from our past mistakes of the internet is just say, hold on a second, wait a minute. Does this technology company have my best interest, my child's best interest in mind when they created this product? Yeah. And then to say to yourself, okay, I understand the context in which they've offered me this product, this new technology product, and then make an informed decision of whether or not you want your child to experience this or not. Because 
right now, the, the business model of technology companies is, is not a prioritization of our children's mental health. And we've, we've shown that's been proven within the context of social media platforms. I don't think anyone's debating that point anymore. And I think there will be a big shift in, especially in education, especially when it comes to our children, where consumers, educators, parents, ca caregivers will demand more information before they're willing to, uh, you know, download, before they're willing to click, and before they're willing to spend um, hard-earned money on on a technology that 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 we just don't know. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that, and it's very important that technology companies do the work right now to understand it. Mm. That's, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's vital that we we look into that. But what's what's interesting to me is in terms of this opportunity to express yourself that perhaps, you know, removing those limitations and, and kids being very conscious, particularly in their teenage years of how they represent themselves in the real world, this, this chance to have almost multiple identities and not, not in, a, in, in a way that's meant to be disingenuous, but actually in, explore different facets of themselves, I guess, in the metaverse. You, you know that that seems at the same time both exciting and quite risky, particularly to to parents. Is it, what's your experience of of having looked into that this this concept of having multiple versions of oneself? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. I think there's also um, just to point out another risk of having multiple as representations of the self is the disassociation of the actual physical authentic self. Mm -hmm. And the, the the mental health um, uh, implications of that, because uh, disassociation is a, is a, is a very uh, hard to treat mental health issue. Sorry, my dog is just scratching at the door. One moment. There we go. There we go. Okay. Um, apologies. No worry. That's fine. Yeah. Um, in terms of digi digital representations of the self, I think. I think what's really important as parents, as educators, as caregivers, as kind of um, gatekeepers to what's next for digital engagement is is an important and some and what's proven to be very difficult task in our lives, but very important is a boundaried approach to approaching technology and an acknowledgement that as humans, yes, boundaries are always hard to put into place, even when the digital technology isn't on the table, but how do we create a relationship, like any relationship we have that has healthy boundaries, right? And so the question is, technology, we consider it to be a part of ourselves and we have to consider these boundaries that we need to put into place and, and develop ways and languages, because we don't have the, the terminology yet, to build um, holistic balance in our lives with all of our relationships, which includes technology, which includes avatars, you know, those an avatar of yourself and other avatars. What do I need to recreate balance and, and wellness in a boundaried way? And unfortunately, like as much as the technology evolves, humans don't evolve. And, and at the end of the day, it all becomes down to us, single self-aware person, to take responsibility for ourselves and understand our past in order to understand our, our tendencies for unhealthy relationships for the future. And that includes our digital-based relationships, our relationship with technology. 
And, and unfortunately, that means we have to do a bit of work, right? As individuals, as people, we have to become more conscious and self-aware in order to remain healthy and feel well in ourselves. And I think that's one of the things that we can always guarantee as a human being is that self-awareness is, is very important uh, in order for us to uh, thrive mm -hmm. as human beings and as parents, as part of our job is to support that. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to just following up on your point, whether does that open up space for, for institutions within the metaverse that help kind of navigate and, and frame some of those activities? like a kind of a metaverse school kind of effectively or a kind of a metaverse kind of yeah 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 I think I think absolutely I mean one of our priorities is is contributing and shaping the future of not only the metaverse but of the people who are going to be interacting in the metaverse um, again going back to that divide is somehow we've created online spaces that kind of do often have bullying harassment um, negative human interaction um, and kind of rewind a bit and say, hold on, we're designing a whole new digital space. Let's take the time to bring the humans with us cooperatively, collaboratively, ask them questions, see what's not working at every stage of the development so that we're, we're creating communities in the metaverse, mm -hmm. right? And, and a really important part of community is is the, obviously the people within it, but also how we treat each other and a, a level, a, a, um, a contextual set of boundaries and rules that we agree to that drive us forward so that people have a sense of dignity, dignity and respect and participation in mm. these spaces. It is completely fascinating. And you've, you've just made me rethink how we might consider our digital identities and avatars and representations um, in the digital world. Because I think particularly for, for us older, the older generations, we do think about them as separate. But as you, as you said earlier on, actually, there is no separation. So as much as we would look after our bodies and eat healthily and exercise, we should actually look after ourselves in that realm too, because the closer and more enmeshed our digital and physical worlds are, then really we have as much responsibility to almost look after our digital selves as well. So I think that's really fascinating and, and, and really interesting. Um, just out of interest, I'm keen to know what you find fascinating. Have you seen any great examples or organizations or products that you look at in your line of work and think, wow, they've really got this? Yeah, one of the... You know, the technology is really nascent right now. So I don't know if, if you guys have, you know, VR headsets or what's available to us in, in the space right now. It's early days, right? So, you know, um, and we have to acknowledge that the industry has been driven predominantly by gaming. So, you know, where, where you know, we people have been profiting on, on kind of violence and hiring prostitutes and, you know, all these kind of games that allow us to kind of play in fantasy. So let's put all that aside, but there are some smaller um, games, we could say in, in what we could call the current metaverse opportunities uh, on, on particular um, VR headsets at the moment. One of my favorite ones is called Maloka, which is a really beautiful um, mindfulness environment where you are um, 
you create your spirit and you uh, your spirit grows the more uh, meditation and the more mindful exercise that you explore in in the world of maloka um and it's it's um it's a it, it's actually narrated a lot by neil degrasse tyson um and it's uh it's quite hmm it's 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 a really nice uh experiment experience and i, I would encourage it to those who are new to mindfulness and meditation as a way, as an entryway into kind of um, that that journey of, of spirituality in a meditation sense? It's it's a it's nicely done. It's really well created and thoughtfully designed aesthetically, uh, and and also um, grounded in the principles of kind of yoga and mindfulness meditation practices. Amazing. That sounds great. Uh, well, one of the things I've noticed actually in some of the games or the kind of the things that have been developed for the metaverse is that there seems to be a big potential for almost activities or kind of more physical um, exercise-based um, interaction, which cuts against the, I think the impression a lot of people have with anything connected to the internet is that it becomes a very passive sit back experience. Um, is there, is that something that's a kind of real kind of, uh, that's really emerging is that kind of activity-based aspect to the metaverse? Yeah, I think it's one of the uni unique differentiators of what we call the internet 2D experiences into VR is this um, this embodiment aspect. And that really comes into play and, uh, and has opened opportunities when we talk about education and embodied learning um, and, and, and involving the whole physical body and 3D space around us and in, in learning more challenging concepts. Um, so that has huge potential and, and is in and is again very early days in terms of what's possible and what's being designed as content creators within that space. And also the nuances of what content, interactive content in a 3D environment and, and what kind of nuanced design features can be possible and, and not even thought of yet in a 3D environment when we think of children and, and play and imagination and embodiment and cognition and learning. And kind of really rotating that on its head and thinking of like what else is possible in the in the delivery of education, mm. um, and and it certainly is exciting. And I think what we know for sure is that the hardware itself is going to become more malleable and more agile and allow us to um, it, uh, it engage with it more freely within our within the day to day, so that it's not so cumbersome and not so kind of. Um, friction, it'd be more friction free moving forward. Yeah. Um, but that is very exciting. And I think um, this idea, this concept of dancing with your pixels and removing the 2D device that the interface really opens up the possibility because what we know is looking at our this for 12 hours a day is very human physiologically unnatural, right? It's, you know, all sorts of physical, the whole physical response to it is just not organic. And, and what we know is when we feel like in, incorporated and engaged in a situation, whether education, work, um, communication of any kind, it feels more fulfilling, it feels more satisfying, and we feel more alive as a result. And so there's there's some real, real positive opportunities in that in the 3D space that can allow us to feel more more human again. <laughs> Ironically, so <laughs> amazing. Sorry, Andy. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, that's great. And I, I wondered whether 
you had any examples of um of kind of areas of skill acquisition or education in terms of the metaverse that were interesting to for us to keep an eye on Sorry, ask me that question again. So whether there are any ones specifically developing um, around the areas of education and skill acquisition to kind of really exploit that kind of full body uh, aspect of the metaverse and um, anything that particularly caught your eye kind of in that area. Yeah, I mean, what we're working on at Kabuni is is designing and the new and an evidence based approach. So that we've partnered with um, kind of academic institutions to put the rigor and the uh, robust kind of um, analysis of specific uh, immersive technology based education curriculum content pieces and start looking at. Um, and measuring exactly what is making the improvement or or or. Or, or lack of improvement and begin to understand content design, the physiological response, the emotional response within the context of the, the objective of the, the education content and, and really begin to understand each child potentially uh, and learner more uniquely and then create content specific to their needs potentially um, in, in consideration of of really using the technologies available to us for their, their benefit, right? So we can use like all of this kind of understanding of social media platforms and human behavior and what feels and has been a manipulation of human behavior in social media spaces can actually be flipped on his head and understand humans better and understand and, and create technologies that benefit us as a result, right? Mm-hmm. It's entirely possible and it's certainly not the technology that's holding us back. Mm. I, it's, um, I was literally just looking up because it rang a bell when we were talking about that, um, that I read something a couple of days ago about metaversities. So mm-hmm. universities in the metaverse uh, beginning to open up. But what's really interesting um, is it's not just f- from hearing what you said, we shouldn't just seek to replicate existing real world, real world universities in the metaverse. We have a chance to tear up the rule book almost uh, and, and look at how the metaverse and virtual reality and extended reality can really help educate children yeah. of, of all ages. And, and I think it's a really, really interesting area. And thank you very much for coming to talk to us today. It's been absolutely fascinating. I think, well, it's uh, it's certainly something that we should revisit at some point in the future because it occurs to me that it's a very nascent uh, area looking at this, you know, research into the metaverse and particularly with children in mind and its effects and opportunities that it presents to them. So we'd certainly love to have you back on at some point. And thank you very much for coming to speak to us today. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. It was great to meet you both and to have a really, uh, you know, beginning of the in-depth conversation that's required to to shape this technology to ensure that it it benefits us as opposed to, you know, um, damages us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye now. Bye. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate this episode and subscribe to the series. It would be enormously appreciated. And thank you very much for listening. We really hope that you tune into the next episode. Bye.